This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Wheelhouse. Earlier this year, my business partner and I launched a new vacation rental management company. And knowing that having top-notch software providers by our side was a major key to success, we set out to find the best revenue management software in the short-term rental space. This is where Wheelhouse comes in. It's an incredibly robust platform that gives us critical market data and integrates seamlessly into our software stack. More importantly, it's built by a great team with a ton of easy tools for you to earn more on your short-term rental. Put simply, Wheelhouse has enabled us to grow our business and earn more on every reservation. We use it daily, and if you're in or looking to get into owning or managing a short-term rental, I know it can help you too. To learn more, head over to their website, usewheelhouse.com, and you can use code KNOWINGHOSPITALITY to get 50% off your first month with Wheelhouse. That's usewheelhouse.com. Now let's get to the podcast. A survey that we did with 154 executives in the buying community, we asked them this, of the salespeople that you have met, how many of them brought something that was relevant to what was ahead of you strategically in your company? The answer, 8%. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Kate Berta. She's the CEO and founder of Kate Berta & Company, a consulting firm that leads revenue performance and growth strategies for hotels, hospitality brands, owners, investors, and management companies. At the time of this recording, we can safely say that travel is back. Well, at least we can say leisure travel's back. Right now, hotels across the country are experiencing record-setting rate and occupancy growth with many beating actual results from 2019. But booms like this are always temporary and the most effective organizations are already thinking about how they will change their tactics to be most effective for when these great results start to level out. As they say, revenue cures all problems. So the trifecta of revenue management, sales, and marketing have never been more critical. But approaching them with the same thinking as we did pre-pandemic is not gonna do you any favors. On this episode, we're exploring what that actually means so you can sustain these peaks long into the future. So let's get to it. This is episode 56 of the Proven Principles podcast, Kate Berta on the new world of revenue management. Enjoy. Kate, thank you so much for being on the show. It's really great to have you. Oh, my pleasure. I've, I've, I've been looking forward to it all week. Oh, good. Yeah, me too. This is, uh, I mean, we've got a, a lot of fun stuff I think we're going to talk about today. Hopefully be at least a little helpful to people out there uh, that are on the front lines in yeah. the hotels again. But before we get too deep, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? What are you up to? Yeah, thanks. Uh, so at Kate & Co, we, Kate Bird & Company, yeah, I, li- I like how it just rolls off the tongue. We say Kate & Co, <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm realizing, oh my God, that's not our name. Um, we work alongside organizations in in how to achieve higher levels of revenue performance and And so we really do that through sales, marketing, and revenue management. And so many uh, companies are are really looking at uh, revenue strategy in this new world. And, 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 um, you know, I always hate bringing up COVID because uh, we're looking forward, but we're really looking at... Organizations are really looking at how do we, how do we, how do we pivot? Um, and so many times they don't know what to pivot to. Um, and so it's really kind of taking a look and saying, hey, listen, how do we, how do we show up differently? And how do we engage with customers in in a different way than we ever have before? So it's a lot of fun. It's 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 a lot of fun work with with uh, teams. And that is like the million dollar question right now. How do we engage people in a different way? And I think that's, I mean, anecdotally, we've been trying to figure that out when times were good, right? right. But it just, you just sort of get caught up in, mm-hmm. I don't know, the busyness of it, the flywheel effect of, you know, if things are working, why break them? Uh, but now more than ever, we, we, we need to exercise that side of our brain yeah. Uh, in a different way. You know, and it's so interesting that you say that because, um, again, with the COVID word, but I see COVID as the accelerant, just the, like you said, it was an accelerant. There was a lot of things that were, that were bubbling just beneath the surface that we've been, and not to sound like this is going to sound, but we've been able to get away with it because the markets were robust. Um, we were able to do a lot of things, um, and, and still be able to make, you know, profit. And, mm-hmm. and prior to COVID, we saw, you know, eroding profit margin. We saw cost of acquisition going up. Um, and so now we're, we're really having to look at 
how do we do things differently? And, Mm -hmm. and I love our industry. Um, you know, having been in it like yourself for a couple of decades, (laughs) 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 you know, so many times that there's been there, we, we tend not to look outside of the industry to bring outside thinking in. And, um, and so it, although it's been painful, um, I'm I'm very bullish that this experience. If teams are listening, if they're if they're interested in bringing outside thinking in, that they can pivot to a whole other level of top line effectiveness. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. And you know what, my I was talking with somebody the other day who's um, uh, SVP of operations at a hotel company out east, and uh, he was telling me that they're setting occupancy and rate records right now. Like, and they're they're beating the good times of you know 2019, 18, 17, oh, when we were him. really on this this ramping up, and you know we're obviously just right out of this this pandemic. And so my fear is that we're going to quickly get back into the too busy to care slash be able to do anything about it. And, and you're not going to, there's going to get to be this complacency where you don't have to think about things differently because why why? it's working, right? We're, we're hitting all of our numbers and our star performance is great and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and it seems like we're going down this road now. And I guess what I'm wondering, and we can maybe get into this a little bit is, is this, this bump in occupancy and rate was completely predictable, right? Is it? sustainable? Is this the way it's going to be going forward? Or is this just that pent up demand everybody was talking about? And then things will level out at some point. Yeah, I think, I think it's the latter. Uh, I'd love to say that it wouldn't, wouldn't be, but, but um, it, it's going to, we're, we're having the bump because there, there's that pent up demand, not to repeat what you just said. Um, and we're going to return to the sustainability. And you know, I'm not sure of what the future looks like, um, but what I can talk to talk, speak about if if the past is any predictor of the future is we saw the same thing post 9-11 and post financial crisis and and was that bump and then that stabilization. Some of the tough parts that I'm, I'm concerned about if we don't take this time like a slow down to speed up or if we don't start thinking differently and being a, bit, a little bit per, more purposeful and critical thinking um, in that approach, we saw a huge spike uh, in uh, cost of acquisition. OTAs, you know, OTAs took a, a firmer stance and 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 became kind of the the lifeline for many hotels mm-hmm. and uh, profit margins decreased substantially. And so I hope that's not the case, but it's been proven in history two times before. And so what we see now in in, in when it when I look at produ- predominantly sales and marketing, which are your two workhorses, those are your two disciplines that actually create demand. We're using methodology and thinking that was built in 1970 and it doesn't work any longer. And so what we're, what's happening is not only are your sales teams showing up at that point of sale, but your marketing teams are as well. And so now you have your OTAs, your sales teams, and your marketing teams all connecting with the customer at the point of sale where it becomes a product and price driven Mm -hmm. transaction versus a, uh, a partnership or a, um, or even a co-creation where, where we're able to add value. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and the conversation sh- at that point, at that point of inspiration where marketing should be showing up and sales should be showing up, talking to their customer, their customers and clients. It's at that point of inspiration versus waiting for it to become the RFP where it's a price driven sale and, and we're in a commoditized market and all of a sudden the cost of acquisition goes up. Um, so that's the space that we play in it is saying, Hey, listen, um, you have, you have this, this, you have a moment to slow down, to speed up. And so let's become, let's become, you know, bigger, better, faster, stronger, and use this time. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, man, the, the marketing and the OTA piece, that is, that is a rabbit hole. We could go down. Yeah, that's, that's another, another episode, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I remember I was speaking with, uh, someone who is a, he's a former VP of marketing for a hotel company. He's now moved over. He's still hospitality adjacent, but he's yeah. adjacent, but he's not working for a hotel company anymore. Uh, and what he told me at the time was one of the biggest things to get your head around is when you're spending marketing dollars, marketing against the OTAs for your hotel, but you still playing on the OTAs because you have to, yep. right? And then, and so like, so you're almost, you're almost paying two times for that customer, right? regardless of where they're booking. And they're almost always booking at least leisure at the time on an OTA. Because I mean, again, we've been trying to figure out how to get guests to book direct forever. And it just seems like the the share of the OTAs, regardless of how much everybody in the industry complains about it, just continues to go up and up and up. Yeah. Um, and and so that's that paradox has always been in the back of my mind how how to solve that. And I mean, if you've got any input on that, yeah. I'd love to hear it. But I know it's 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 a big issue. No, absolutely. You know, um, first of all, OTAs will always be there, and 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 they should. They they have a place in our market. Um, that's needed. The problem is we haven't, we haven't kind of, um, figured out, um, figured out how to work alongside them. Um, and so for instance, uh, going back to your real question, where, where the OTAs show up is at the point of sale. It's where the customer is choosing one against the other. And at that point, it's a transactional sale mm -hmm. where we as marketing and sales need to show up is at that point of inspiration, that time where it, it, it's way beyond, it's way beyond um, them going to Expedia to choose a hotel or hotels.com or booking, you know, or but choose your, choose your, choose your distribution <laughs> channel. But for us to have meaningful conversations at that point point of inspiration where we're mm -hmm. able to come in and bring um, both get, prospective guests and uh, clients insights. So I own their mind share. And here's the thing. If, if I own their mind share, it's kind of like a trailer for a really good movie, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I own their mind, I have their wallet and I also have the I also have the room, so I get I get market share and wallet share. If right. we wait till it becomes a a, a price driven sale or, or the at the point of of sale, the OTAs can own that, mm -hmm. and it becomes a market share a market share right. because because it, it becomes a price driven sale. So we lose share of wallet and we also lose mind share. Yeah. But for us to understand, instead of us showing up with here's our stuff here's how cool my rooms are or my renovation. We start thinking about what is the customer buying journey and what are they thinking about and how do we show up in what they think about versus us? It's, it's, um, it yeah. goes back to, um, you know, it goes back to the golden rule, you know, of, of, um, you know, just customer first thinking. Yeah. And I guess if you're, if you're trying to influence a buying decision, mm. you've you've got what five seconds right. to to tell that story, and I mean you you're not telling that story necessarily verbally, uh, right? It's it, you know, I, 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 and I, I'm by no means an expert in this space, but uh, you know how your website looks, what what's the messaging above the fold. Because most people won't scroll, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, reviews, uh, how engaged you are on on guest reviews, and people might just sort of click through really quickly, and hopefully something catches their attention. Because if not, then it becomes a, a a price decision, and they go to Expedia or wherever, and right, that's that. That's right. That's exactly right. And you know, using technology, it, like I think about our digital storefront of not only just the website, but how do we use landing pages and make those very specific to the customer? Um, and, and how many times are we showing up talking about us versus talking about them and and what yeah. they they want? So, for an example, um, uh, a great example of of that kind of customer first thinking, and and there's there there's many out there um but rather than kind of talking in in a marketing world because we're talking about marketing at this point um you can show up talking about your new hotel your new renovation you can talk about your your restaurant uh and so forth 
but taking a look at what is what where is the customer where is their headspace so um hyatt for example, did a great job of saying, what does that customer journey look like of our most valuable customer? And so in this case, they were really targeting the female traveler. And so they came up, you know, in the diaspora of of the brands, you know, there was a lot of home away from home or it feels like home. And, And what they said is, you know what, this feels nothing like home. Thank goodness. Right. And so it was this this picture of, of a woman, um, you know, with ordering 20 different pillows for her bed and not going out, but watching a show inside because, you know, the kids are gone, the husband's gone and everything else. So in that example, instead of talking about uh, talking about us, how do we connect with with the mindset of that core customer is or that most valuable player, cu- valuable customer? That is such Man, that is such a good idea. You know, because as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about all of the lifestyle hotels that are going to tell you that it's a residential feel and it's your place and this whatever. And like, look at our great lobby. Right. Who cares? Right. That's literally everybody's design philosophy and everybody's story. Right. So that's, yeah, I like that. It's, that's thinking about it differently. That's being a little, um, uh, uh, cheeky maybe on it, or just like, you know, you know, getting a stepping away from the more, uh, buttoned up and polished sort of traditional way that you would market your very traditional hotel. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I I think here's, what's interesting. Here's what's interesting, and 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 we kind of did a, a study about it, um, and and a lot of folks are are, are gonna. This is going to be fun news to hear, but it's true. We looked at of all the different departments and divisions that are in a hotel, sales and marketing showed up as one of the least centric, customer focused divisions. And 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 what I mean by that is how they presented themselves or how they, their conversations focused around the hotel rather than the customer. Now, hmm. you know, so, so it was all about, you know, look at our space. This is how we can set up the room. And yeah. very few times were they actually able to speak to the customer. Now, the salespeople could get their, you know, rates, dates, and space, their requirements. And they said, you know, those are their needs. No, those were the requirements. What do you actually know about that customer? What are they trying to do? What are they trying to achieve by this meeting? And they couldn't answer the question. Hmm. So, so we take it, we think about customer centricity. We, we have customer guests, you know, guest satisfaction scores. How many times have we actually challenged our sales and marketing teams to say, Hey, listen, do you actually know what the customer is trying to achieve or what they're driving to or what they're, they're thinking about other yeah. than just this meeting? There's something that's, that's going on um, far beyond the meeting. Yeah, it brings up an interesting thought. I mean, in in hotel operations, at least at a, at a high level in the luxury space, there's this general philosophy that you never want to put anything back on the guests. You don't want them to have to do any work while they're staying there. Right. So that that's why that's one of the reasons why there's just like an endless array of offerings for people right. because you kind of want to have like something available regardless of how niche it might be so that almost every need can be satisfied. Yeah. But as as a worker on the front line, you have to be able to read your guest, yeah. know that that thing's available, and then proactively offer it. That's right. So that the guest knows that it's there, or they, you know, it makes it easy for them. And it sounds like what you're saying that 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 is the direction that sales and marketing, or sales in particular, need maybe needs to change the mindset a little bit. It's not look at all of our great space and look how many chairs we can fit here, and we can do, we can do whatever you want. Well, as the, the client may not know what they want, right, right, and and you have and and the sales and marketing teams are the ones that bring those insights to to craft something amazing. You know, um, uh, it was really interesting. There was well, first let me let me let me give you some data because this is a, I, I people love data. A survey that we did with 154 executives in the buying community. We asked them this. Of the salespeople that you have met, how many of them brought something that was relevant to what was ahead of you strategically in your company? The answer, 8%. 8%. 
8%. of the, the sales teams or salespeople that were wow. meeting with executives were bringing what the customer thought was relevant. Now, here's the kicker. If that wasn't bad enough, um, <laughs> we did the reciprocal and we said, okay, of the sales teams that called on these, these uh, clients, how many of them thought that they were bringing something of value? Hmm. And it was 87%. Interesting. So there's a gap there that says, you know, that says, hey, listen, bring me something beyond your product. Bring me something. Let's have a conversation that goes beyond the box. Mm-hmm. How how are you going to help me become bigger, better, faster, stronger? Yes, I have requirements. You know, I can give that to you. I have a, I have a printout of that. But let's have a conversation about how you can help me. Mm-hmm. And that's partnership. Wow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um uh, wow. Yeah. It blows my mind a little bit. I'm trying, I'm trying to put myself in the position of being on property, uh, with a sales team yeah. that would have to, especially people who have been successful in the last, you know, couple of decades doing things the way things have always been done, hitting their numbers. And like, that's, it's very hard to get people to change how they look at a problem. Yeah. If they, first of all, if they don't think it's a problem, but secondly, if yeah. their compensation is based on not seeing it as a problem, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's an interesting shift And that. And that's just one example I think of, of where, you know, we need to not only take hospitality, but people like yourself, the value in bringing somebody in from the outside who has a different perspective, who doesn't do things the way that it's always been done in your organization, because you'll never move forward if you just, keep looking at things in your, in your four walls. Well, and, and again, you become, uh, you become a commodity. And so you're only going to be as good as you're only going to be that, that star report or whatever, yeah. whatever metric you're using or group you, it, it ties you in. I, I can give you an example. It was, um, and, and it's just, it, it's about shifting our mindset, um, to customer centricity. So, um, there was a hotel and they were a hotel in the Northeast. And one of their, one of their core customers was a um, cosmetics, a cosmetic company. Mm -hmm. And so they were going to, they were going to do a a tour, you know, show the hotel. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we said, all right, you know what, you show the hotel, do, do your thing, do your whatever, but let's think about, what is in, what's in front of that cosmetic company? Like, what are they really trying to do? And just in that moment of, instead of us having us first thinking, really understanding where that, what that customer is doing. So in this, in this example, that, um, that cosmetics company, they really wanted to get more market share predominantly within, um, women of color. Hmm. And, and they, that's where they, they saw their emerging market. And so what the hotel person did, and, and, and it was a young, it was a younger salesperson. It, it wasn't your most experienced because a lot of times we find our experience, our experienced folks are, are, you know, so wedded to, to how we've always done it. Um, but instead of saying, Hey, listen, you know, Hey, listen, here's our, here's our hotel, which she did. But she also said, Hey, you know what? This is what I know. You know, I, I'm not a pro, but this is what I saw is, is you guys are really trying to expand your market share into women of color. Hmm. We have three different companies that are based in Asia, Italy, and uh, subterranean or, um, Africa, African Rim. And so I'm thinking that we would be able to get the two of you together, and even maybe when they're having their next meeting, there's even some gift giveaways. So we could do maybe even like a focus group of, of, of customers that are from that area that, that we'll be able to host, but you can interact and have real conversations in our lobby about, about whatever it is that you want to know about. And so now all of a sudden, that 27-year-old sales manager, what she didn't have to be a pro. She didn't know anything about cosmetics. What she knew is that she had connective tissue that rose above rates, states, and space. Hmm. Now, you know, I mean, if if all of her other competition is coming at it, here's my room and here's their rates, that little bit of a differentiator becomes a huge pathway to creating a, um, a partnership. Oh yeah. And it just took a moment 
And it would just took her to step back and say, what's really important to them? What right. are the, you know, instead of what is your hot button or tell me what, you, you know, tell me what, <laughs> tell me, you know, it was, it was, where are you trying to go? What are you yeah. trying to do? Maybe there's, I can't solve it all, but maybe I have something that will help. One of the things that has been most, um, the hardest thing for me to do since I've gone down this entrepreneurial path yeah. is, and the, the hardest uh, programmings in my brain to like unwind <laughs> is dropping the word and from my explanation of what I do. Yeah. Right. And I think that that came to me. I mean, that was programmed into me from all of my years working in hotels, but I think it's also a natural thing for people to Human, do. Yeah. Human thing. You want to just like, I do this and this and this and this and this so It's sort of a catch all. So you can help as many people as possible. Right. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, where if you, if you do everything, then you don't really do anything. That's right. Right. Be, so in, in the context of, of, really dialing in the message of how hotels can help their customers and, and provide value for them. It's, it's going through the exercise of figuring out a couple, three or four different messages that are very, very specific Yep. that people can like, Oh, okay. I get that. I, that's what I need. You're solving problems with your offering rather than again, going back to like, I don't know what you do because you do everything. That's right. That's right. And, 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 and it's usually, um, when it's doing everything, it, it, it's about the physical part of the building. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. We have a pool and a gym and a restaurant and a patio and yeah. a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'll fly in helicopters to dry out the greens. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and it, it's so funny because, um, you know, it sounds easy, this whole, you know, customer first. And, and, and I think with, particularly within operations, it's a little bit easier, right? Because, um, I think it, because it's, it's hard coded in us as, as that hospitality mm -hmm. heart, mm -hmm. but then applying that thinking within sales and marketing and, and price modeling, it, it's harder because we have to really take a step back and say, What's going on in their head? And, and, and you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll work with companies that have a customer buying journey and I look at it and I say, wait a second, I don't, this is all about you and how you're selling the product versus about what's happening within the customer's mind and, and wh where are they going and how, what's happening? What are they thinking? What are they, what's, mm -hmm. what are they going through? How do we, what do we have maybe that's not even product related to, to, to that can help them become bigger, yeah. better, faster, stronger. And then yeah. all of a sudden, if you're able to solve those problems, caught the price of the price of the room goes away because you're solving a larger problem. Yeah. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about marketing and, and sales, but you know, I mean, the, the whole point of, of initially doing this podcast was to talk about how like the new world of revenue management. How has this all changed uh, since since the pandemic? So, yep. you know, how does how does revenue management? How do you how does the so the idea of the price going away and, and somebody buying um, something because they need it and they see so much value in it um, is kind of another way of, of saying what I what I say a lot is yep. like in hospitality we don't we don't sell things. You don't take something with you when you leave. All you take is a memory. All you take is an experience, and hopefully, it's a good one. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, in this kind of new world, how how has revenue management and, and the view of it started to change? And you know, recognizing the fact that it kind of seems like right now you could just put any price out there and people will buy it. So that's you know that's going to be a very short amount of time. That's right. So, um, what's interesting? I've got two points about that. Um, one is. Revenue management is not revenue strategy. And the second one is, is the importance and the trajectory of technology. So the first one is revenue management in its purest discipline or manages established demand. In the last, oh, 10 years, 15 years, we've gotten such incredible efficacies and, and rate lift and revenue lift be from just that, from 
from um, managing established demand. So, so that that you know, it's one of the three children, right? So I love I love I love them dearly. Um, but <laughs> when there is no demand, now what does revenue management do? So so that is going to shift everything for us. And that's why, that's why I kind of uh, want to talk about sales and marketing because those, those are your two, you know, kind of workhorses for demand generation. Here was the other thing that happened with revenue management in the last 10 years is because there, the language of revenue management is a little bit more scientific and fi- financial based. A lot of times owners, investors, and asset managers understood the language because they had a shared language which in sales and marketing, bless their heart. Um, I'm in Texas, so I can say bless your heart. <laughs> so, so um, but they didn't have as much of a uh, science and strategy to their work. It mm-hmm. felt on the other side, more like kind of ducks and bunnies. Um, like we're going to try it or oh, we're doing this, but, but we, it was hard for investors and asset managers and the financial, the financial part portion to connect the dots for that. So what had sprung forth then is is this love for revenue management, and rightly so. And right now what we're seeing is, you know, chief commercial officers, which is such a critical role, are coming out of the revenue management side of the house. And that's fine. That's great. What concerns me is, is if we don't understand how to create demand within sales and marketing, we're going to be in a world of hurt. And so that's why I keep on bringing that up. So what, and, and a lot of people, talk, it's funny because I say I do revenue, so I'm a revenue strategist and they're like, oh, so you do revenue management. I'm like, well, that's a discipline under this thing. So, mm-hmm. so moving forward, my hope is that we start giving more science and strategy to those, those two, those two workhorses of sales and marketing. So we can have a more um, solid, holistic um, approach to revenue strategy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, uh, then I have something in technology. Yeah. I'll give it no, a, please, a please. moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, technology, um, there's, you know, a, as we look into other industries, um, you know, hospitality has, has, a, uh, you know, just kind of really started understanding, um, how tech, what, it, what role technology can play, particularly around revenue, you know, particularly around revenue, um, you know, with um, predictive analytics and so forth. And that's only going to continue. And we, what we'll see, um, again, within a, a lot of that discipline of revenue management becomes uh, machine machine, you know, versus man. And yeah. so what I, what I suspect for the future is that, um, you know, heck, heck, you know, the, a lot of times the algorithms are, are, um, very right. Now it's a little bit different because we don't have this last year to, to have part of that, you know, that, that part of that analytics. Um, but what we're going to see a strain on is, how do our how does our revenue management team or that revenue commercial strategy have real critical thinking because that re- the discipline of revenue management um, we can have some pretty sophisticated uh, algorithms to get it pretty close to right <laughs> yeah yeah that's true right and it, and it's almost like i mean at this point if you've ever seen like a a stock trading yeah. uh, app where you, like, it's just like, like second by second, things are just ticking up and down and going yeah. crazy. I mean, that we're really getting into that world now too, yeah. where, where the, you know, the last room value, I remember, you know, that, that was the whole thing that was started coming out when, when I was still on property. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, that, that number changed a lot back then, but it could, you know, it, it's literally the difference now between like a, a dollar or two more for that, that, last room that's, that's available, it it can be the difference in, you know, your, uh, you know, how well you perform on all these vanity metrics that may or may not make any difference at the end of the day. You know, I mean, we talked about this kind of before we even did the call where, you know, you get star performance and, and, um, cutting your way to profitability in the middle of the statements like that. I mean, well, first of all, I mean, you could argue stars sort of like, it's, it's, I think it's a vanity metric. I think there's, you know, you can't take star performance to the bank, That's right. nor, nor can you cut your way to a profitable hotel or, you know, a a successfully long-term profitable hotel revenue cures all problems at the end of the day. 
right? And so as we're talking about how do you create demand and, uh, and, and it, I mean, generally speaking, you really can't, but it is the sales and marketing team that has to go out and sort of at least try to do that uh, one way or another. Uh, that, again, when, once we get past the summer travel season, you know, I, I can see a couple of things starting to happen. And, and this was very evident at the end of um, the 2008 financial crisis where pent up travel, like you talked about at the beginning, mm-hmm. waned. Yep. All of the jobs that were cut at the during that crisis, not all of them came back. Yeah, We never got back to that level, those levels of positions that were in right. hotels because properties were able to function long enough without them and guests didn't seem to mind not having them. And, and then it just became the norm. That's right. Right. That's so, right. That's right. you know, hotels were eventually more profitable as a result of having, you know, cutting up some of those positions. I can see the same thing happening again here where, you know, this, this labor shortage, air quote labor shortage, for whatever reason you want to talk about yeah. um, is, is happening. At some point, you won't be able to fill those positions. You just won't hire them anymore. But also like you'll be able to deliver an acceptable level of service that also is like the most profitable for the hotel. Do you see what I'm, you yeah, see, kind of see where yeah. we're going? There's like, there's like an X on the graph where that's going to come That's together. right. Yeah. And that's where we're going to land. Equilibrium or, or, or operational efficiency equilibrium or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like making bad experiences more efficient, you know, <laughs> that's, well, that's where we're going. And that came up that those discussions even came up, um, at a conference in Atlanta oh, where, you know, if there were, if there were any operational efficiencies that you speak of, they're gone now. And so, so investors are a little bit, or owners, investors, whatever else are a little bit worried about how we're going to add those back because that was the one meager thing that kind of came out of it. And, and so there's conversations that were happening, not, but people were listening of, okay, you know, do you pay for housekeeping? Um, do you pay for some of those? And, and how does that, you know, how you know, at different, at different, um, site, you know, um, uh, you know, chain scales, mm-hmm. is that appropriate? Um, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, light touch and, and, and things like that. And right. it will be interesting to see because I, um, and this is probably more my hang up than anything. I, I think it's interesting how we were lo- looking at things like that, that gets airplay before looking at how our sales and marketing can be more effective. So we don't, so, you know, I, I have, yeah. you know what I, it's like, I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, um, we, and I don't know if it's, it, it kind of goes back to the beginning of our, our, our conversation where we haven't brought outside in thinking. Um, and so we don't know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know, yeah. what, so you don't know, what to, but it, it is kind of interesting uh, where I'm thinking about that customer experience. And then thinking about guest satisfaction uh, scores and and the you know the re- online reviews and and how critical those are. Well, yeah, yeah. It, 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 in some respects, well, star performance is definitely a lag indicator, right? Um, right. You know, but in in a lot of respects, sales and marketing is also a lag indicator. You don't really know how you're doing until it's happened. Right. And even like sales, like, sure. Okay. So you sell a group in the future, you know, how many rooms are contracted, but like how many times does, the, does the, the, does the reality meet the contract? Right. So you never, at, at right. the end of the day, after the, after the group is there and sure, like do the attrition all that. Okay. Right. But at a high level, that's usually how it works. So the only thing that you have immediate, uh, ability to control and kind of see your efforts almost in real time is revenue management. Yep. Uh, you know, setting your rates and how well your rooms are selling, like in the day for the day or whatever your booking time is, and what you can cut out of the operation. Yep, it's, that's really it. In 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 today's thinking, you're you know yeah. you're spot on in today's thinking. However, we we start looking at what other organization, what other industries are doing, and and they they look at you know they look at market they look at market share of every single account um and not just from um and not just from like a hotelligent standpoint but understand you know the total market share they know of share of wallet by account and so these are things that are commonplace in other spaces where we're able to you know we understand close ratios um 
we kind of get there in hotels with, you know, tentative and definites, but it's not really, there's not a lot of technology around it. We even have um, uh, customers outside of the hotel industry where they're using um, artificial intelligence and mm. um, in listening to uh, customer engagement calls where they can have some predictive modeling to see if customers are going to buy just by the, the word usage, the, tona- the, the, the intonation, um, how much the salesperson is speaking, what they're saying. And so I couldn't agree with you more that based upon what we've always known, that's what we know. Mm-hmm. We have, there's a lot of effectiveness um, uh, thing or uh, modeling. There's a lot of thinking that we can bring to our industry. The thing is, we haven't seen it before. And so it's going to feel uncomfortable. And it's going to, and, and, you know, it's going to be the brave heart that says, you know what? No, we're going to do things differently. We're going to try yeah. it differently. I don't know what automation. It is. Yeah. yeah, right. Automation right. is coming for hospitality. There's Absolutely. no doubt about it. And, you know, this might be the time that where that really accelerates because, you know, you if you can't fill the jobs, but the jobs still need to get done, you're going to automate as much as you can yeah. uh, to make sure that the place keeps on running. And this, this is a big one. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, I, I, a question that's been on my mind for a little while now, <clears throat> and we talked about it uh, before the show everything's opening up right now. Yeah. Just because everything's opening up, just because you can open your hotel at 100% uh, availability, a lot of factors go into probably making a good case as to, you know, well, maybe you shouldn't open at 100%. What's your perspective on on that? Coming at it from revenue management, sales and marketing background, just because you can open at 100%, should you do it? Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to, I'm going to say no. Um, and here's my reasoning why, and, and I'm interested, I, I can't wait till next year so I can listen to this webcast again and be like, <laughs> be oh. like man, I was so right. Or <laughs> I was like, God, wrong. can you take that episode down, please? I was way off. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, wrong. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, um, just because you can, first of all, it's the customer experience. And right now, all we have is the customer experience. And and I even think about, you know, some of the hotels that are open, but um, but they don't have, you know, the, the restaurants or they don't have, um, and, and it's fine. It's fine for right now. It's passable for right now. The, the, the folks that are out there traveling, they have to travel. And, and so they're willing to accept that level. Um, but if we're able to do it with excellence, a couple different things happen from the sales and marketing standpoint. We get a lot of great PR about it from a revenue management stand, um, standpoint. Um, it's it's you know constrained demand. Um, we're able to to because we don't have all of our rooms available. We're able to keep prices higher because we don't have the availability. Um, it's kind of like, you know, 30 is the new 90, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, right? seriously. And, yeah. And I, I think until, um, from an, from a performance standpoint, um, that crawl, walk, run, um, seems to be more comfortable, um, as we adjust to the new normal. How, how do you mm-hmm. see it, Adam? What do you think from your point, point of view? I see it exactly the same way. Yeah. I think that it, it – and here's the thing. Like, it's really hard it's, – it's easy to sit here and pontificate about it. Right. I Because honestly, I mean, I've been through a lot of downturns in my career. And reopening the hotel or having all of the rooms available at, uh, you know, whenever it can be, even seasonally – you know, I mean, forget about coming out of a pandemic. Sometimes like, you know, we had, a, I had a work for a company that had a hotel in Boston and like after Christmas until sometime in like mid-March when a big seafood convention came into town, you like, there was nothing like you're literally running in the single digit occupancy. So like, did it made, make sense to even have the hotel open? But that was never a topic of discussion because you just don't close the hotel. Right. So, you know, I, I, I think that if you can uh, if a hundred room hotel is, uh, operates more effectively and is able to get a better rate if it's operating maybe 50 available rooms, 
Uh, and you can give better service and maybe your staffing dictates that because you can service 50 rooms far better than you can service 100 rooms. Even if you have these spikes in occupancy on Fridays and Saturdays, like we're seeing right now, yeah. maybe it's just because you don't want to just open and close, open and close. That's operationally, that's a nightmare. And then people never really know like, are they okay. open? Are they not? Are they open? Are they closed? Or like, what there's a spike on there? Tuesday. So yeah. are we going to open all the way on Tuesday? Like what? So just be consistent and, and waterfall, reverse waterfall, you know, yeah. <laughs> open slowly to hundred percent. I think I would love to talk to somebody who is willing to try that and go against the conventional way of thinking about these things yeah. uh, and, and to see if it really works. Because in my mind, it will absolutely work because yeah. we've kind of, I've seen it myself. Um, just, just, you know, through 25 years right? in my micro mm -hmm. examples mm -hmm. of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So anyway, if anybody listening, uh, wants to try that, reach out. Cause I'd, I'd love to talk to you. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's that what I get, uh, so focused on as well as you from no matter where, where you sit in, in the house is that all we have is that customer experience. And, and we have to be so careful on how that that's executed and how that's communicated, especially as, you know, the, you know, Texas is very different than how it feels in the Northeast, which is very different yeah. how it feels. So I, I think just being, again, I think if there's anything that, that has been a consistent message in our, our conversation here is that customer centricity or how it feels to be that customer. Mm -hmm. And that will go a long way. Yeah. Yeah, it will. Uh, one last question before we wrap up the show here. What is, if you can give anybody, any hotel out there right now, kind of based on what you're seeing, the conversations that you're having, even what we talked about today, is there one actionable step related mm -hmm. to whether it's revenue management, sales, or marketing that somebody could put in place today that might help them get over this hump of where to go? Yeah. I think, uh, um, I think it's, it's, I hate to, to sound like a broken record, but I think, um, us understanding our most valuable segment, um, and that's going to be leisure for a while. Um, and when I mean, understand the segment is understand, understand how that's going to ramp, but moreover, understand that customer that customer buying journey um and showing up um showing up beyond you know the product i'll do i'll do a shout out for for terrena resorts it was interesting um i was seeing all of these promotions that were being done you know come back we're you know we're open and there's a deal um or you know or we're excited to have you back um and and whatever percentage off and again if you take a look at it that's very self in, it's a self-involved, yeah. right? It's a, it's a product. Mm -hmm. It's about us, Very. not about them. It's about mm -hmm. us. Come back. We need you. Yeah. Um, what was interesting is, is groups. And, and I, the reason I do sh uh, shout out to Tiranea is that um, some of the things that happen, that's happened in the world that we should take note of on a positive, our, 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 our environment is healing. Uh, animals are returning to areas that they haven't been before. Uh, the pol pollution is down. There's different migratory patterns that are happening. Um, so Terranea came out and said, come back and the sea lions are back and they haven't been back for a long time. Come and see the sea lions. So again, the idea was the same thing, but it was this idea of, gosh, I've been cooped up and you should see something positive. Yeah. that we want you to experience. It's a whole different mindset of that we're thinking of, we're thinking of, we were thinking of you. We yeah. may not be 100% right, but we think we know what it may feel like to be you right now mm -hmm. rather than come back because we really need you because our P&L stinks. <laughs> <laughs> and just that alone is going to separate them from everybody else who's saying the exact same thing. Right. And Southern California, where they are, that is a, they're, I mean, they're, the coastline is dotted with amazing resorts. Right. So you've got to, you got to say something, say, say something different. Yeah. Say something different. That's yeah, right. I like it. 
Uh, Kate, this was a great conversation. Thank you. If anybody uh, wants to get a hold of you, uh, where should they go? Yeah, uh, go to Kate, uh, kateberta.com. Uh, pop me a line at this is really difficult, Kate, at kateberta.com. But, um, <laughs> but we, you know, it, it's, it's so much fun because we, we really like to provoke and provoke thought and, and push people to think differently, but at the same time, protect them because we understand that change is a little bit scary and doing things differently is, it can be risky, but we understand the, the great rewards. So Adam, what a great pleasure. It's just, it's, it's kind of, I, I don't know, maybe I'm narcissistic because it's like talking to myself. So I don't know, is it narcissistic or is it that we're just so, we're, we're, we're great together. <laughs> I think we're just great together. I think, I think that's, that. we'll just, <laughs> we'll just pat ourselves on the back and, you know, great, great episode guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no it's fun. so much fun to, it's so much fun to talk about the conversation of possibility, right? There, yeah. There's, yeah. there, there's so many great things out there. Um, I just challenge everybody who listens it think differently you know slow down to speed up and any other little acronym you want to throw in there (laughs) (laughs) yeah before it's too late before you get too busy to care or too busy to do anything about it i love that i'm gonna use that too crazy to care anymore yeah yeah i love that exactly (laughs) yeah good well kate thanks again uh and uh, we'll talk to you soon cheers this was my episode with kate berta you can find her on linkedin or at kateberta.com i'll link to both in the show notes You can see the full interview on YouTube. Just search The Proven Principles Podcast, and you can learn more about the show on our website, theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. Finally, if you need help with a project or just someone to work with on a tough problem in your hotel or restaurant, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can book a free call with me by going to knowinghospitality.com slash contact. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. For past episodes, show notes, or if you've got a story that might make a great episode, head on over to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, even on YouTube. And if you haven't already, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to The Proven Principles Podcast.